thank you, Kevin, and choir for the great job you always do in leading us in worship and excited now to have some time with you to open together God's Word. And if you have your Bible with you, let me just invite you to take it. Turn to the great 11th chapter of the New Testament book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. As you're finding that, let me, let me make sure you understand that over and over and over again, in the pages of God's Word, God's people, you and me, are called upon to make a choice. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, God said to His Old Testament people, I have set before you life and death blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. You might remember that Joshua charged the nation of Israel with these words in chapter 24, verse 25 of that Old Testament book when he said, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your forefathers or the gods of the Amorites. But as for me and my house, We've made our decision. We've made our choice. We will serve the Lord. The great prophet Elijah, 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21, went before the people of God there on Mount Carmel, and he asked them this question, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. But for goodness sake, get off the fence. Make a choice. John the Apostle, in Revelation chapter 3, verse 15, records these words of the risen Christ as they were spoken to the church at Laodicea. Jesus said, would you please be hot or be cold? Don't don't try to stay in the middle. You, You can't be lukewarm. Will you please make a decision? Will you make a choice? Church, the basic fundamental essence of Christianity is that you have to make a choice. You have to determine whether you're going to live your life God's way or whether you're going to live it some other way. In Genesis chapter 1, Adam and Eve were confronted with a choice, God's way or their own way. They chose their way. They made the wrong choice. And men and women have obviously been making the wrong choices ever since. Well, this morning, I want us to look at two other people who made a choice. Now, their names are not going to be nearly as familiar to you as Adam and Eve. In fact, you may not even know who these people are. You might have to stop and think a minute, try to figure out who they they are. Their names were Amram and Jochebed. Now, again, You may not immediately know who these two are, but you certainly know their son. His name was Moses. Amram and Jochebed were Moses' parents. Now, we know all about Moses, and God used him in some incredible ways. But what you may not know is that Moses would have never even made it onto the scene if it were not for a very courageous choice 
made by his parents, Amram and Jochebed. So I want you to look with me at a single verse in Hebrews chapter 11. It's verse 23. Hebrews eleven twenty three. 23. It reads like this. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw that he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Now, that's the New International Version. Let me share, let me read from the New Living Translation. It reads this way. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child, and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. Now, I just want to launch out this morning by asking you a series of questions. You don't have to raise your hand. Part of me wants to ask you to raise your hand, but but I don't want to make anybody uncomfortable this morning. But let me just ask you a series of questions. Number one, how many of you believe God has a plan for your life? It's question number one. How many of you really believe God has a plan for your life? Number two, how many of you, if you believe that God has a plan for your life, how many of you really believe that it is important that you follow that plan for your life. Number two. Number three, if you believe that God has a plan for your life and you believe it's important to follow that plan for your life, how many of you believe it is important to follow that plan no matter what it means for your life? You see, I'm going to give you right out of the chute this morning the thesis of this message, the central thought, the overriding spiritual principle, the primary lesson of this single verse that we've read. Are you ready for it? Here it is. If you are a Christian this morning, if you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you claim to be someone who belongs to him, then here it is, you must always choose God's plan over any other plan for your life. That's it. You must always choose God's plan over any other plan for your life. Now, let me tell you this something this morning in case maybe you don't know it yet. There are all kinds of things, church, all kinds of forces, all kinds of circumstances, all kinds of people who are going to have a plan for your life. Now, that plan may be a plan for the moment. It may be a plan for the day. It may be a plan for the year, or it may be a plan for the rest of your life. But you're going to find all kinds of people, and you're going to find all kinds of things that will be trying to influence the decisions you make and the plans you follow. You're going to hear all kinds of voices saying to you, hey, listen, this is the best choice. This is the best decision. This is the best plan. I'm telling you, when you're, when you're confronted with an important decision, your friends are always going to have a plan. Your boss is going to have a plan. Your relatives are going to have a plan. When you have a choice to make, let me tell you, your financial circumstances are going to try to dictate a plan. Your relationships are going to try to put out a plan. 
When you're faced with how you're going to respond to some situation in your life, deal with some pressure on your life, react to some problem in your life, I'm going to tell you, society is always going to have a plan. The popular culture is always going to have a plan. Public opinion is always going to have a plan. Social media is going to have a plan. Everybody is going to have a plan. And here's the issue. Too many of us think that because somebody or something puts forward a plan, that it must be the bottom line plan. If someone else is telling us what to do, well, Surely it must be the right thing to do. If, if my circumstances are pushing me in one direction, then surely that must be the right direction. Can I tell you something this morning if you're a child of God? If that's the way you think, that is a formula for absolute disaster. Absolute disaster. If, if this morning you would say, preacher, I, I am a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, then you've got to determine when you're faced with a choice, when you're confronted with a decision, a variety of plans, you are going to follow God's plan. Now, these, this verse we looked at in Hebrews chapter 11, about Amram and Jochebed. This single verse summarizes a story, really, that takes up two entire chapters in the Old Testament book of Exodus. So I, I'm sure you're familiar with the story, but, but I think it would do us all good just to take a few minutes this morning and go back and let's refresh our memories about what we find in Exodus chapter 1 and Exodus chapter 2. Here, here's, the, here's, here's the background. When Moses was born, to Amram and Jochebed. The king of Egypt, the Pharaoh, had become very, very concerned about the proliferation of Hebrew people in the land of Egypt. The Hebrew people had grown so populous, so large, that Pharaoh was actually beginning to fear their power and their influence. He was afraid they might actually become so strong that they might try to rise up and overthrow his kingdom. And nobody wanted that to happen because the Hebrews were the Egyptians' slaves and they provided all of the slave labor for the Egyptians' building projects. So Pharaoh decided, hey, I've got to do something. And the thing that he decided to do, if you remember, was to begin a program of genocide. He decided that he was going to exterminate, he was going to kill all of the baby boys born into the Hebrew households in Egypt because he knew that if he could kill off all the males, then he could, in effect, cut off the future of the Jewish nation. So, there was a government edict, a government edict, that was put in place to destroy Moses and thousands of other Hebrew baby boys. That was the plan. That was Pharaoh's plan. But Moses' parents, Amram and Jochebed, knew that Pharaoh's plan wasn't God's plan. And in an incredible act of faith, they made the choice to defy the king's edict 
and save their son. Now, there is a principle here, church, that needs to burn its way into our collective consciousness this morning. It is a principle that goes far beyond just the issue of two parents wanting to save their son, as important as that was. This is a principle that you and I need to follow in every single area and arena of our lives. And this principle asks a fundamental question. The question is, what does God want? What does God want? See, this, this, this is a critically important principle, and Moses' parents knew it. Let me show you something here in Hebrews eleven twenty three again. It says here that when Moses' parents looked at their baby boy, they saw that he was no ordinary child, or the other translation read, they saw that he was an unusual child. Do you know what that means? Uh, it, it doesn't mean that Moses was more beautiful than any other baby. It doesn't mean he had some kind of uh, heavenly glow radiating from his cradle. It doesn't mean he was born with a giant S emblazoned on his chest, that he was some kind of super individual. No, it simply means that when Amram and Jochebed looked at their baby, they knew there was something special that God wanted to do with Moses' life. They knew God had a plan for their son, and they said, we're not asking what does Pharaoh want here. We're asking what does God want, and we're going to follow God's plan, not Pharaoh's plan. And God's plan wasn't going to be an easy plan to follow. Because if Pharaoh found out about that plan, he would have had Moses' parents killed. I mean, this was the most powerful man on the face of the earth telling these two slave parents what to do. But Amram and Jochebed believed in God's plan so much. They believed so much in what God wanted to do, that they were asking that question. God, what do you want here? And they were asking it so intently and so passionately that they weren't intimidated by Pharaoh. God's word says they weren't afraid to disobey Pharaoh. They weren't afraid to turn their backs on what most other parents in that situation were submitting to. Why? Because Amram and Jochebed knew something that every single one of us here this morning needs to know. We need to know, God, what do you want? God, what is your plan for my life in this situation? That's the issue. So please, if you don't hear me say anything else this morning, please hear me say this. If anybody else's plan does not agree with God's plan for you, it is the wrong plan. If your plan doesn't agree with God's plan, it is the wrong plan. I don't care what your friends say, what your boss says, 
What your neighbor says, what your counselor says, it makes no difference what your circumstances say. If what they say doesn't agree with what God says, they have said the wrong thing. If their plan doesn't agree with God's plan, it is the wrong plan. I've shared this with you before, I know, and and I wish, I really wish I didn't have to. But I, I look around me today and I see so many Christians who are defeated, who are unhappy, who have very little real deep and abiding joy, sense of personal fulfillment. And I got to tell you, I believe one of the reasons why there's so many defeated Christians around today is because many of us made the wrong decisions yesterday. We followed the wrong plan yesterday. We have done things. We have decided things. We've made up our mind about things without ever asking God, what do you want what do you want me to do in this situation God how do you want me to deal with these circumstances God what decision do you want me to make God what is your plan for my life right here right now see this principle of asking God what he wants is absolutely fundamental in determining the degree of fruitfulness and joy Success, victory, you're going to experience in your Christian life. I'm going to experience in my Christian life. We're, we're all, I, I hope you understand, this is not a new revelation. You've heard it before, but please hear it again. We are all just one bad decision, one wrong choice away from wrecking everything God wants to do in our lives. And that's why we need to always ask, God, what's your plan? God, what do you want in this situation? How do you want me to respond? What decision do you want me to make? What stand do I need to take, God, in this situation? That's the principle. But there's also a problem. And the problem is that we often cannot see how God's plan is going to work out. Sometimes we don't even know what God's plan is. And because we may not know what God's plan is, and maybe because we can't see in that moment how God's plan is going to work out, we're afraid we can't trust it. We're afraid we got to go with the moment. We're afraid we got to listen to somebody else. Do you realize Moses' parents... We're in exactly that kind of situation. Amram and Jochebed said, Lord, uh, we know, we know Pharaoh's plan isn't the right plan. We're, we're, We're not afraid to disobey that plan. We know that's not the right plan, but... That means there must be another plan. We we don't have any idea what that plan is or how it's going to work out. All they could do was trust God. All they could do was put the situation in his hands. So let's look at what happened in Exodus chapter 2 for just a moment. Let me read verses 2 through 4. It says, The woman conceived, this is is a joke of bed, 
The woman conceived and bore a son, this is Moses, and when she saw that he was such an unusual child, she hid him for three months. This is what the writer of Hebrews told us. But when she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with bitumen and pitch. And she put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the river bank. And his sister, that is Moses' sister, Miriam, stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. They didn't know what was going to happen. You see that? Now, we know what happened. We've got the perspective of looking back at the story. In fact, we've heard the story of baby Moses probably since most of us were were babies. But you have to remember, Moses' parents had absolutely no idea what was going to happen after they put their tiny son in that basket and floated it down the river. Again, Pharaoh could have found out about it and had Amram and Jochebed killed for defying his order. The basket could have washed away a wild animal could have carried it off. Anything could have happened. Amram and Jochebed had no way of knowing what would happen. They couldn't see God's plan. All they knew was that Pharaoh's plan wasn't God's plan. All they knew was that was the wrong plan. See, some of you may be in a very similar situation this morning. And some of you may be thinking, well, pastor, you know, you don't understand. I I don't have any other options open to me. I don't have any other way to deal with these circumstances. You don't understand the pressure I'm under. You don't understand the demands that are on me. You don't understand the expectations that other people have of me. I I have to do things this way. I can't follow God's plan, whatever that is. It just won't work. I've got to do this. Well, let me tell you something. Moses' parents didn't have any other options either. They were slaves in a foreign country facing an edict from the most powerful man on the face of the earth. They had no means to deal with a pharaoh. All they had was a basket and their faith in God. But that was enough. And do you know why? It was enough because there's not only a principle in this text that says, what does God want? There's not only a problem, which when we face it, we have to say many times, we don't know what, how God's plan is going to work out. There's not just a principle in the problem, there's also a promise in this text. And the promise is this, God will always reward those who follow His plan. You can take that to the bank. God will always reward those who follow His plan, even if you can't see how that plan is going to work out right now. Look at what happens next in this story, verse 5 of Exodus chapter 2. Now, the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her young women walked beside the river. And she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman, and she took it. And when she opened it, she saw the child, that would be Moses, 
And behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, this is one of the Hebrew children. Then Moses' sister Miriam said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call you a nurse from among the Hebrew women to nurse this child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. So the girl went and called the child's mother, her mother, Moses' own mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. And when the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. Now again, please. Please don't let your familiarity with this story keep you from seeing the amazing thing that God did here. With nothing else but their belief in the fact that God had a plan, Moses' parents take their baby boy, they put him in a basket, they put that basket in the river, they pray over it, and they say, God, this is in your hands. You know what? Sometimes that's all we can do. Sometimes that's all we can do. God, I don't want to do the wrong thing, but I'm not real sure what the right thing is here. I'm just putting this before you, God. I'm placing this in your hands. But look at what God did. That basket just happened to end up where the daughter of Pharaoh was taking a bath. And while she was taking a bath, she just happened to look in the right direction and just happened to see this basket that just happened to contain this baby. Now it just happened that Moses' sister Miriam was on the bank at the exact moment Pharaoh's daughter just happened to see the basket that just happened to contain the baby. So Miriam said to Pharaoh's daughter, Princess, I see you've just happened to find this baby. Would you happen to need a nanny? And Pharaoh's daughter said, Yes, I just happened to need a nanny. Would you know one? And Miriam said, You know, I just, yeah, I just happened to know one. (laughs) And she runs straight back home and finds her mother and she says, Mom, Pharaoh's daughter just happened to pick up your baby and she just happens to need a nanny. Would you apply for the job? So Moses' mother applies for the job and guess what? She just happens to get the job. Listen, nothing is just happening here. Do you understand that? Do you see what's going on here? God not only saves Moses... But he put him in a home better than the one he would have grown up in, gives him all the advantages and upbringing of royalty, and then he pays Moses' own mother to take care of him. I'm going to tell you something, church, nobody but God would have come up with that. Would you have come up with that? Of course not. And because of that plan, When God got ready to free his people out of their slavery in Egypt, he would have a man in Moses who knew all about Egyptian culture, who knew the Egyptian language, 
who knew the ways of a Pharaoh because he had grown up in the palace of a Pharaoh who could be comfortable looking a Pharaoh in the eye and saying to him, thus saith the Lord, let my people go. And Moses would lead God's people out of Egypt and into the promised land. And they would become a great nation. And out of that nation would come one tribe, the tribe of Judah. And out of that tribe would come one woman whose name was Mary. And out of that woman would come the Messiah, the Savior of the world. God's plan was so much bigger and so much greater and so much more spectacular than any plan Amram and Jochebed could have ever conceived of. But do you understand, that's always the way God works. This isn't just a pretty little Old Testament story. Church, this is New Testament truth. Ephesians 3.20, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly, above, beyond all that you could ask or think or ever imagine according to His power that is at work within us. That's what God's plan can do. But you have got to determine you're going to stop doing it your way. You've got to determine you're going to stop trying to figure it out and you're going to let God figure it out because it is only when you determine that you're going to make the right choice. You're going to do the right thing. You're going to follow the right plan, God's plan, for the moment, for the day, for the year, and for the rest of your life, even if you can't see right now how it's going to all work out. I can promise you God has something bigger in mind than you might ever imagine. So, I'll ask you the three questions again. Do you believe that God has a plan for your life? Do you believe it's important to follow that plan? And do you believe it's important to follow that plan even when you don't know exactly what that plan is or how it's going to work out? You don't want to come to the end of your life and look back. And realize you made the wrong choice, made the wrong decision, followed the wrong plan. You want to end up where God wants you to end up. Not where you want to end up. It is so much better. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these moments together this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this challenge from two people that most of us probably haven't heard a whole lot about. But whose courageous choice to follow your plan altered the course of history and ultimately led to the coming of the Messiah. Oh God, help us to never short-circuit your plans. Help us to never settle for anything less than your best. Everybody's going to have a plan for us, whether it's a plan for the moment or the day or the week, the year, whether it's a plan for the rest of our lives. There's going to be someone, there's going to be something that's going to say to us, here's the plan. 
But God, may we always ask, Lord, what do you want? God, what is your plan? What decision do you want me to make? What choice do I need to determine? What direction do I need to move in? Help us to realize, Father, that the choices we make today, the decisions we make today, have ramifications far beyond today and far beyond really even our own lives. As you weave together your plan and your purpose and you invite us to become part of it, oh, Father, may we not forfeit that blessing of being a part of that plan, being a link in that chain, that leads to the glorious culmination of history that you've promised all of us. So Lord, take these moments this morning and there's someone here today wrestling with a choice, a decision, a plan. Lord, may they today turn away from any plan that's not in agreement with your plan, any way that's not in agreement with your way, any word that does not conform to your word. And Lord, perhaps especially, if there's someone here either gathered in this worship center or joining us remotely, that person has never made the choice, never made the decision to give heart and life wholly and completely to Jesus Christ, to submit his or her will to your will, his or her life to your life. May today be the day that they make that choice, that they get in line with your plan, that they begin to experience, Lord, the fullness of life that you promised to all who place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So, Lord, we give you these moments. May we make decisions that would bring honor and glory to you, to your Son, and to the advance of your kingdom here on earth until we come to stand before you face to face is the prayer that we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to join me in standing if you would. I don't know of a better hymn we could sing this morning than the one we're going to sing, Have Thine Own Way, Lord. I pray that'll be the prayer of your heart. Kevin, as you lead us, uh, if you need to make a decision this morning, I'm here. I'll be glad to pray with you. Or you can make that decision right where you are. But as we sing, you let God have His way in your life.